Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got Jesse, we got Rudo, we got Megan. Uh, we'll get into the power play today. That's kind of the main topic we're going into. Obviously, Jesse and I talked about Kovalenko yesterday, but he officially signs this morning. The contract is done, a two-year ELC. Megan, I want to get your thoughts on Kovalenko and, I mean, maybe not necessarily expectations, but what do you see in him? I think I, we should talk expectations after Megan goes. Okay. Yeah, no, I think it's it's appropriate to revisit. I wasn't on yesterday, but nope. I'm excited about Kovalenko in doing our prospect pyramid. He's at the top for a very reason because of his pro readiness. And yep. the writing was on the wall in terms of him finishing out this season in the KHL and then looking at coming to Colorado. And it's nice to see it get done now so that there is some certainty that this is coming down the line this year. And yeah. What I think is exciting, and I don't necessarily mind him finishing this year with the KHL because of what a great year he had last year. Yep. And I think it's so important for him to continue building on the prolific season that he had last year with the top six opportunity and power play time that he was given in the KHL. Just because when he comes to Colorado, he's going to be utilized in a different way. He won't be getting quite those reps here to start. Definitely and not, so yeah. I think it's good to get him some of that valuable time in a pro men's league playing among men. I have to imagine, too, that as we've watched the NHL evolve as a game in terms of pace of play, I imagine this is happening in the KHL as well. And so I know we teased Grigorenko like earlier before the show. <laughs> and I, I kind of wanted to talk about that in a second because with the season that Kovalenko had last year, and when this is happening and like assessing that part of the circumstance is why I get excited for this player. He's toolsy, you know, he's a versatile winger and the way in which you see the vision and the distribution of the puck in traffic on the power play too, the way he can quarterback the passing is something to get excited on an episode where we're about to talk about the future of the abs power play. And I'm not immediately putting him on PP two, but he does something similar to what Mika Rantanen does on PP one at a high level in the KHL. And that is something to get excited about. It's why I'm excited about this prospect. And still at 23, a young player with a lot of upside and ceiling to realize his potential. It's an exciting player. I'm really looking forward to seeing him much more up close the springtime yeah, of this same. year, presumably. Same. I'm going to be the Oppenheimer to Megan's oh bar here. We go. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we... I, I think what Megan said is true, but I also want to make sure that what you and I talked about yesterday, Rito, everyone's got to like way temper expectations for what you're getting out of him. The KHL is a scoring skilled league. There's not a huge emphasis on defense. Pablo Ferencos was a back-to-back -back goaltender of the year. Uh, the, the, the goaltending isn't to the same level. Megan is 100% right on a lot of those things. He's got great skill, great vision. He, he plays that the wall with, with a heavy shot on the power play. All of that is true. Everyone just needs to make sure to, to temper the expectations for when he first arrives. Now, obviously, this is also based on before the KHL season gets started. But by, by the time he's coming to the ass, he could have had an 80-point year and everything Megan just talked about took even another step. And it's like, yeah, no, this is a bona fide NHL player. We were mentioning uh, Mikhail Grigorenko before. Obviously, there were some engagement issues. Kovalenko won't have those. Yeah. Right. But Mikel Grigorenko is a pretty solid 50 to 60 point a year, 20 to 25 goal guy in the KHL, which is right in the range of where Kovalenko broke out for the first time last year. Yep. So my, my big thing is I, I agree with a lot of what Megan just said about him and his actual tools. And when he's on the ice at the KHL level, 
I just want to make sure that people know there is a big, big gap between KHL and NHL. And I'm excited to see how all of that, you know, translates. Uh, but I, I've seen just in the last 90 minutes, a lot of Kovalenko highlight reels going around. And it's kind of like draft prospects. A lot of these kids look really good YouTube on YouTube. Responsibly, folks. Yep, YouTube yeah. responsibly. And let's see what kind of year he has. Because everything Megan talked about in terms of his tools and his ability, that is all spot on. If there's an even bigger step this year, then I'm really going to get excited. But if he settles in 20 goals, 50 points, I think you can say he's probably going to be a pretty safe 30, maybe a 40-point guy. Yeah, I think 35 Moon, is realistic. Moonlight on the second power play unit with injuries and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of continues to develop. Because Megan pointed out, he's 23. He's a young guy. So I kind of want to smash these ideas together. Because I do think Grigorenko, nice. <laughs> production-wise, is probably a reasonable target at the NHL level. Mm -hmm. As mentioned, he will not, Kovalenko will not have any of the engagement issues. He works hard. He will be able to function in a third line role where you, you're asked to go do some of those things that Gregorenko never really did. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to get on the hype train, the way I've been talking about him, and a lot of this is because as you were talking on the power play, that passing ability to me, he's a lot like a poor man's Landeskog. Able to play physical, able to do a lot of the dirty work, a better passer than people give him credit for. Landeskog's automatic 20 goal guy in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Is Kovalenko going to put up 60 point seasons? Probably not. That's where the poor man part comes in. But he is a little bit of that well-rounded, do a little bit of everything for you type of player. So I do think there are things to be excited about. Totally. I also think the Avs fan base is incredibly spoiled as they've jumped from Miko Rantanen's to Val Nichushkin's to Arturi Lekkonen's of just everything going so incredibly well that I would say don't expect it to go quite that well with Kovalenko. Now, I, I will say, talking about the Grigorenko to Kovalenko comparison and the effort, Jared Bednar loves players who have the effort, have the motor, and Kovalenko is definitely going to have that. And again, I, I would just like to say, because I, I seriously, I saw three tweets today Comparing Kovalenko to Kirill Kaprizov. That's not. And it's like, this almost is. Almost feels offensive. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, they are from the same country. <laughs> right, right. And the comparison stops there. <laughs> and, and, and I just, I, like I said, I just want to temper that stuff. But I also want to put the disclaimer on. If he goes and breaks out for 80 points this year. He's not going to complain. Well, then all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. And who knows? Everything Megan said, he, all that stuff could translate exactly to the NHL. And he could be a Kirill Kaprizov type guy. I mean, he's never going to be Kaprizov. Hey, <laughs> I'm not going to be the specific Debbie Downer to say that. But yeah, just the, my, the whole point of this is exciting, exciting prospect. I'm with you, Megan. He is without a doubt the Avs' top prospect. So I'll pump the brakes and wait to see what happens. Don't tell me what to do. Not you. I'm telling all the Twitter. <laughs> I'm telling the Kirill Kaprizov people what to That's do. fair. <laughs> uh, okay. Realistic expectations, 35 points, Megan. How soon are we talking? Let's say in the 24-25 First season. full season. That might be a little ambitious for my fair taste, enough. to be fair. And I was the one just getting really excited <laughs> about him. And, and I also want to point out, I don't think you were getting overexcited. Yeah, I, 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 I think, think that you was, were being realistic. I think those are pretty accurate scouting of, of, of his game i like my comment was mostly just like 
all my Twitter scrolling today, like, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, folks. It's fair. And, and the reason I'm reluctant to even commit to 35 points is a little bit uncertainty around what opportunity he's actually going to be given. Where does he fit? Yeah. If he's buried a little bit in a depth role, that is where we see sometimes production wane. And that is why I'm not so sure just with not without knowing his utilization, though, I think they are going to pave way for a spot for him mm -hmm. that much. I feel confident in it's why they're signing him to a two year ELC right now. And he's going to the KHL. And so I still feel confident of as much, but with the transition to North American ice, also being something that's going to happen i want to give him a little bit of room to grow into that before i say 35 point season <clears throat> yeah I, i'm with i'm i'll put it as a <laughs> 25 to 35 range if he can land like anywhere that. in there in his first full season i think that's a huge win i think that's something to be excited about and, and you can hopefully build from there i do wonder though i mentioned this to rudo yesterday do the abs stop now and say, well, there's our third line winger and we'll just bot through the season with whatever we have to go through in our bottom six. I just don't think you can. I think you need to fill that role in the immediate. I don't disagree with you, but I wonder if that's maybe what they're thinking over there. It's an interesting question because we're already looking at the potential of them taking a gamble on such a young player in Malinsky at the bottom of their D pairings, that it would be taking a lot of bets on really young players with little to no NHL experience if we're now looking at Ben Myers being a forward option, Kovalenko and Malinsky in their decor. That's a lot of young players that they're taking a risk on. I actually don't see that happening. I think they need more certainty yeah, to I hedge agree. some of those bets. And I think they, especially with... Bednar's pension to lean toward veteran type guys and things like that. I, I would expect some level of NHL experience to be added back but so, there. But. So I guess here's my thing, though. Who, who do you feel better about of who's left on the market? As, assuming assuming Tarasenko, you're probably yeah, priced out of. Patrick Kane, you're probably priced out different of. Different conversation for those two than the rest of them. 100%. Is Zach Aston Reese still out there? Because I think as of uh, our last show, he was. Really? I thought I thought for sure I saw he if got he, signed. If he did, my bad. No, but no, if no. He's still out there. Unrestricted free agent. That's a great player fit, if the price is right. Now he could be coming with a steeper price tag because he's a free agent, and that could make it complicated with the limited amount they'll have left after Ben Myers. But that's just someone could, who comes to mind. So what? So the the Kovalenko ELC will eat up. I'm assuming he's at nine twenty five. Uh, I assume I, one of these years it's going up to 950. I forget. So, so but. I mean, honestly, I mean, if, if you're wanting to add him part of the way through the year, let's say yeah, you, his season will probably March. end around March. At that point, his contract is going to be like 200K against the cap. <laughs> like. Yeah, but I mean, still, like, like Megan pointed out, you've got Ben Myers, which he's probably getting a raise over the whatever it was, 750 that he was making. So you're probably going to push him... 850 maybe nine i mean you're just you're left with such a limited amount of money i, I actually don't i i wouldn't be surprised to see them go into the season with the plan of we'll make a deal as cap hits start coming down knowing that we'll add kovalenko you're just getting real tight on money and my thing is like okay do any of these guys i agree with you zach aston reese i agree with you but I, like for guys that they can afford who actually moves the needle more than 
so here's some of these young guys you have internally. I, I think pretty much all of them move the needle when you take a look at Frederick Olofsson. No offense to the guy. I'm sure he's a great hockey player. Maybe could be an NHLer, but that's the bar right now in the Avs lineup that a player needs to beat to be in the lineup every day. Is it? I think so. Obviously, I'm trying to do the numbers like the I, you know combinations quickly in my head. Because I thought he would be more camp. like 13. it's going to be him, Foodie. He 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 would be 13 if you go out and get another guy. Right now he's 12. I'm Are interested because sure? of Foodie's right shot. If they give him some reps, inevitably in preseason, but on that right side, Foodie on that was third line. Foodie was a guy fun. that. C-Mac called out by name that they were looking to take a step this and year. I hope I hope that is how it works out. If I have no problem with the Evs going into training camp. Maybe they sign some PTOs or whatever. I, to solve I would like that. that. But Ooh, I've actually changed my mind. That's what I want them to do. Don't sign anybody. Give some PTOs and let's let's sure. I do like that. Mm -hmm. They brought about Jack Johnson once upon a time, and that was such a great right. It's it's just a decent hedge, right? Because that gives them the hey, we can add a guy if we want. Yeah. If the kids look good in training camp, we can go that route with right. it. I, I actually it. like that. So that's my official vote for what they do now. Take <laughs> August off, hand out some PTOs when we get a little bit closer in September, and let's see what you got. See who's still out there, who's desperate for a job. Well, with our luck, they'll find a way to sign Tarasenko, and this whole <laughs> video will be pointless because we'll be talking about a power play without him. So. Uh, I absolutely love Phil Kessel, the individual. Makes zero sense for I, the I've, abs, I've yeah. seen this like three shows in a row. Unfortunately, I mean, he just doesn't make any sense. He, in a world where they didn't sign Jonathan Druin, maybe. Maybe. But, but I mean, like... <laughs> Phil Kessel used to have the appeal of, like, he's got speed and he can score an easy goal. Doesn't really have either of those things anymore, and he doesn't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> and if you wanted to healthy scratch him, you'd have to be the bad guy to end the Iron Man yeah, streak. Yeah, <laughs> Don't put yourself in that situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, who was, it was Yandel, right, that, that ended up happening mm -hmm. to in Philly? Brutal. Uh, uh No... Well, yes, but they let him hit a thousand games and, and then, then they scratch him. Only him, to yeah. have that, I, I, and I, I felt especially bad for him because I was like, Kessel's like eleven games behind him. Like yeah. you get to hold that He's record get for caught immediately. Right, right. You can hold that record for a week and a half. <laughs> it, yeah, I it, Kessel just does not fit with what the Abs have built. Is the problem, and it, I hate that because I I think Phil Kessel's a hilarious person. <laughs> <laughs> I would, gonna, I would love if he was in touch Colorado. That one. Just what? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Tries hard. Loves the game. Oh God. Yeah. You guys, you guys were on the show when Blaze told the story. Yeah, it's a great story. That he knows where the best Philly cheesesteak stand is in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Phil Kessel. Yeah, yep. Phil Kessel. That's incredible. <laughs> I love that. Uh, anyway. We do need to get into talking about the power play today. Before we do, though, we are brought to you by the fantastic folks. I can't really do a Wisconsin accent. I tried. Uh, mm. Over at Illegal Pete's. Oh, yeah. Not really. I guess. I don't know. Is, is Wisconsin known for burritos? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, Illegal Pete's is known for burritos, though. They have delicious, fresh ingredients every single day. You can go get yours. At the longest happy hour in town, 3 to 8 p.m., where you can get delicious margaritas as well as beer or whatever else you want. 
If you haven't been to one of their 11 locations yet, you got to go check them out. Get yourself a burrito. Have yourself a good time. There's one location just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar. So you can go hang out there, have yourself uh, some food, and then come down for the Women's World Cup uh, watch parties, which should be an absolute blast. I've been watching at home a lot because I love women's soccer. And it's way better than men's soccer <laughs> because women don't flop every seven seconds. Bro, so true. So go do that as well. Uh, check them out. Illegal Beats. Go get yours again. 11 different locations all over Colorado. So there should be one near you if you're here. Also brought to you by the folks over at another place that I definitely already read. Uh, oh, yeah. Breckenridge Brewery. The guys Love we em. have downstairs. Eight Love different em. kinds on tap. Eight. Eight. Yeah, eight. Different kinds on tap. Downstairs at the bar. Of course, you can get it at your local liquor store. Anywhere in the United States. They are all over the country. You can use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com to find it near you. Obviously, we're all about the summer beers right now. The Mountain Beach Sour, the Palisade Peach, the Strawberry Sky. All of those light ones that uh, can get you through the hot, hot days and the terrible, terrible rain. Take your pick. Because those are your only two options in Colorado. Breach. Uh, all right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Avs power play. I will get to PP2 in a second. I think it's a lot more interesting who ends up personnel-wise on that one. Power play one. As the Avs are currently constructed, look, you know Nathan McKinnon's on it. You know Mika Rantanen's on it. You know Kale McCarr's on it. Those three, full stop, Done. There are two more spots there. I'm assuming a lot of people are going to default to Nachushkin and Lekkinen there. Uh, I was going to say Val. I don't know about Lekkinen. Megan, agree? I did default to Lekkinen, Bumper, Val, net front guy. Okay. So let's put Val on there for sure. But you're right. I feel like that middle spot could be a little interchangeable. It's, it's Rijo. Rijo. Yeah. You I wanted have a- Rijo on PP2 to quarterback from... The right side. See, but I think he likes playing in front. I, I think okay. he. I, I. I believe. I believe he likes playing down and low, to big take body. Face-offs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why they put him on the first power play and let him take the. Basically, they're gonna. Hey, be Gabe Landeskog. Take faceoffs. Go to the net. Tips. Rebounds. Slide out into the bumper if you have a shot. Take it. Okay. That's one conversation, and then the other conversation is, can they find a way to work Drew in on the top power play? I forgot. Uh, theoretically, in my head, if they were to do this, which I'm not very confident that they would, you actually put Miko properly on the wall, and you have Drew and work that deep spot that Miko often works in behind the net. Facilitating yeah, all right. So I'm there. actually changing my answer here because I did default to Nachushkin, but I think I I think that's what you do. I think you go Rijo in the middle, and then Drew and down behind the net. And I mean, those two could interchange too. If you wanted to slide yeah, Drew sure. out to the bumper for a one-timer, uh, you could. That's what I. That's what I think they at least should so, come out of the gate trying. Where's Nachushkin? Second, it would PP2. end up on PP two if you're doing <laughs> really? both of those things. I see. This is where I struggle because I do think if you're putting Drew on there, you you have Nachushkin instead of Rijo, and Nachushkin ends up being net front guy. You know, he doesn't really do the bumper thing so much, but. He's screening in front, doing things like that. I think you want Johansson for the face-offs. I think that's like yeah, 90% of the reason they got point. him. You could do the thing where he takes the face-off and just skates off, though. That'd be really weird on a power play. It would be a little weird. Um, 
<clears throat> and then you could run your second power play unit with Taves up top, Byram on the wall, uh, what, Nachushkin, Lekkanen, and then you could, I mean, you could go with what they were doing last year, the 3D. You could go Byram, Taves, Gerard, Nachushkin, Lekkanen. I, just Nichushkin, in the middle, right? like, I, I thought know. Colton should yeah. be in the middle. Yeah. He, so could then be, drop, he could drop potentially Gerard. be a face-off guy on PP2. Yes, yes, totally for sure. Totally. And then and then yeah, drop drop Gerard off that. So then you've got good puck retrieval, good net front. And Yeah. And I I do worry a little bit if you end up doing the Lekin and Nachushkin Colton a little too samey on the forward side for a power play. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe Druen lives on that second power play unit, and Nachushkin moves yeah. up to the I top. Think I think Druen and Nachushkin probably headed. Yeah. I like Val's physicality at the net front. I don't know if that's a skill of Druen specifically. It's no, but not. but my thing is, you got to keep in mind, like Ryan Johansson. I don't think we're giving enough credit to Ryan Johansson here, and like that's where he like he makes his living down there. He's a big body. I, I think that's I think that's where they're gonna want to put him. So I, I really do think that you're talking about the bumper spot and maybe it's Lekkanen. You're, you're, you're looking for a bumper. I don't think that's Val. An actual bumper, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Val's not a bumper. He's right. more of an actual net mm -hmm. front type, mm -hmm. like screen the goalie type of and, net front. And I think they're going to try to get Johansson to, to, to play that role on the, on the first power play unit. Yeah. I, the thing is, like, I... In reality, I expect them to probably mix it up a lot over the course of mm -hmm. the season. I hope and they do. That core of PP1 could grow stale at times and yeah. needed something just temporarily to, to be flipped. Well, and that, and that bumper spot is the guy that they have historically liked to run a bunch of different dudes. See in what there. we can yeah. get here. So maybe that is the spot where it's like, okay, well, we'll try with Lekkanen. We'll try with Druin. We'll try with Nachushkin. You know, we'll try, later in the season, we can try with Kovalenko. Think, like, I, I'd be willing to bet that bumper spot is what gets moved. I would I would be pretty surprised if they went into the season and four of those five spots on PP1 weren't Johansson, McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr. I'd be pretty surprised. So uh, there's a couple ways I want to take this. First of all, particularly after last season, we saw with pretty regular occurrence Kale McCarr pulling himself off the power play a little bit early. He just is understanding how he needs to control his minutes to get right. through an NHL season. The Avs have not been afraid to experiment with power plays. Obviously, they had the 3D power play last year. Is there a world where they try a f the five forwards? Not on this team. You I thought so? this was going to give rise to Bo Byram getting time on PP1 and okay. Kelma Carr's place. Okay. The defense just too good. They don't always play like defensemen. That's why yeah, you might as true. well utilize them in that way. The the shooting threat, uh, really. I mean that that top power play unit, the, the the bumper and the net front guy. You could really put whoever. It's the it's the threat of three elite all world shooters on either wing and out high, is what when that power play is going makes it so dangerous. Is like who do you cover? Do you give Nathan McKinnon the one time to take away Kale McCarr's shooting lane? Do you jump in that lane and give Kale room to walk? Leave and if you want to try to take away both of those, yeah. you can just slip it over to fucking 96. And it's 
Oh, by the way, he scored 55 goals. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I just like that. I, I think you see a lot of teams do that because like the, I mean, the abs ran 3d on their second power play last year. Cause they were like, we have too many of these players that are dope at this. Yep. I do think this gives an interesting look at where this team is in looking at guys that we ordinarily would have on PP one being put on PP two. It's not in totality a reflection of how this team is constructed going into the season, but I think it gives a little bit of confidence that this is a pretty good problem to have. I, no I, doubt. I really do think that there would be teams for real that a Byram Taves. What did we say? Lekkonen. We almost took Gerard out of the power play. All Colton drew in. <laughs> That's a PP one on 13 teams in the league. Colton drew in. Lekin and Ornichukin with Byram and Taves. Maybe like 10, a little bit of a weaker PP1, but sure. But point being, to make, like, we talk about, like, oh, PP2. That's still a very good unit. Like, that's still a very formidable, you know, group of five. It just looks like dog shit next, like, anything looks bad next to Hmm. McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr. For the record, the Evs finished last year sixth in the league on power play percentage at 24.5%. Uh, Everyone above them, except for Edmonton, which had the ridiculous hmm. year. The second place was Toronto at 26%. So they're within a percentage and a half of the second best power play in the league. Um, let me ask you guys this way. Is there anything you would change about the Avs power play stylistically? Uh, if you're going to run the drop pass on PP2, I think it should run through Byram. Okay, as the man back. Mm-hmm. I think Taves should start that and then drop it and let and let Byram skate. That's my only thing. The the drop pass, the abs popularized it years ago. And it was and so effective because you had everybody does right, it. Right. Yeah. Because you had Barry dropping to McKinnon and there was a threat of, oh, Tyson Barry could just skate it. And then you hit Nathan McKinnon, who is I believe he was the most efficient. By like 10% better yeah. than anyone else in the uh, carrying yeah. the puck into the zone. That's what makes the drop pass work for the first power play unit. As much as fans have, you know, uh, confirmation bias, it works very effectively the with that first unit. Of the time. <laughs> if, if you want to continue, because like when they were trying to run that play with JT Comfort coming, you know, up the middle, it just didn't work. If you want to keep doing that for both units, my only change would be drop it to Bo. Got a little bit more speed, a little bit better vision. Okay. Without reinventing the wheel. Sure. In our hypothetical, who is the shooter on PP2? You're making the changes. You can make it whoever you want. But I I want to know who it was in our hypothetical. Who was the shooter? What do you mean? On the bumper or up high? On the wall. Uh, I think we said Colton and Drew N. It'd be. Drew in okay. facilitating one wing, it'd probably, assuming Rijo's on PP1, it'd probably be Colton as the trigger man. That's actually not terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my concern with PP2 is I don't know that there's been... A finisher. A finisher. Yeah. And I don't know what Colton's shot looks like on I, PP2. I, it I actually fe- has potential in my eyes compared to Alex Newhook, for example. Mm-hmm. JT that, Comfort that was what was so frustrating about Newhook was like it is you were extremely he was dynamite on yep. the power play at the American League level and then he did nothing 
and he has a great shot. Right. Yep. It just didn't translate on the Avs second power play. And that's where I feel like they have room to improve is to make the second unit as competitive as it should be given the personnel that's usually on it. And I will give them credit. It was a rotating cast of characters last year. Lars Zeller, Ben Myers. Well, they were all seeing power play time. That's a little weird. I get it. This is where I'd like to see them fix that. It's but, like, but to your point, in. and I think that's why they put so much emphasis on that second power play unit on the defenseman because those were your best shooters, especially last year. Like, Fair, of the fairly, crop that you yeah, had left, reasonably. it's like, I, I, like I, I trust Devon Taves with the puck on his stick more than you know those names that you just listed. If I need a goal, I'd rather Bowen Byron have it. I'd rather Sam Gerrard have it than, and this is no disrespect to those guys, but any of the players you just listed where it's like, what, you're on a power play unit over there and you want, to, you want the puck on Ben Myers' stick? With all due respect to Ben Myers? As, as Brad is pointing out in the chat, he does have a, a one-timer on the power play. But I do think Colton is going to drive people a little bit crazy at times on the power play. It's not to the level that Newhook was last year, but Colton is a very efficient goal scorer. He shoots when there's a good chance that it's going to go in the net. The Avs are very used to a power, or Avs fans are very used to a power play that involves Nathan McKinnon just <laughs> going bombs away mm -hmm. anytime. It works when it needs to, yeah. but it also doesn't work a lot yeah. when it needs to. McKinnon is much more a volume shooter that will get his yeah. based on that. There, I think there's a comment there some about frustration there, but utilizing corners to push and pull defenders. The abs are one of the best low to high teams like out there. They, they run that high cycle and it all starts by getting pucks down low and then moving them out high. Uh, so they, they do that pretty efficiently. If I'm understanding your, your I, comment correctly, stylistically, I have a whole conversation I want to get into, which I have a lot to preface. So, uh, <laughs> before we do that, uh, we preface. are brought to you by the folks over at shady rays. You can go get your sunglasses today at shadyrays.com. Use the DNVR code. When you buy a pair and you get a second pair, you get 50% off your order with the code DNVR. Uh, they got tons of different styles and shades and polarizations and all this stuff. It's all great. It's all well-priced, so you're not paying Oakley prices just to break your sunglasses, which is what really counts here. Yeah. Their replacement policy is incredible. First 30 days, you break them, lose them, or just plain don't like them, they will replace them for you completely for free. So check them out today. ShadyRays.com. Use the DNVR code when you're ordering, or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. And then when someone is driving down the road without their sunglasses into the sun and they crash into you, make sure you call 222-2222 today. Box and Shanker have you covered. They've been doing this for over 25 years in Colorado, and they've won over a billion dollars for their clients so hit them up today, either with the two number or at coloradolaw.net. They'll give you a free consultation. They think you have a case if you've been injured in a car accident, even if it was a rideshare thing or like a scooter situation, even if you were injured at work. If there's an injury situation, they just want to get you what you deserve. Uh, after the free consultation, if they think you have a case, they will take it on for completely free. Initially, you pay nothing until you win your case. So check them out. Again, two number or coloradolaw.net, Boggs and Shanker. They've been doing it forever. Everyone in Colorado knows who they are because they keep winning for their clients. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. All right. So, uh, 
I'm I'm the Oppenheimer of the crew. I got the black <laughs> on. All right. It is funny how that works. <laughs> I, I was looking at the screen earlier, and I was like, "Well, all right, that looks nice." <laughs> uh, so. I have no room to actually make this argument because the as power play has been very, very good on the whole. Like I said, it was six best in the league last year, even through all the injuries that the abs dealt with. So it's hard to complain stylistically. But in my perfect world, I would run a power play without a bumper spot. I hate the bumper. I hate it mechanically. I think it clogs things up way too much for the offense. I think this is a terrible take. I know. I know. <laughs> but here's here's why I don't like the bumper spot. Because if you don't have a permanent bumper, this allows particularly your wingers, but also anyone on the ice can do it, to slash through the middle and cause a little bit more chaos of See, tracking your, through. Your issue is with the lack of movement. Yes. Not... Someone playing in the bumper yes, spot. Correct. Okay. And I but I, I'm I do with think you there. I do think the bumper spot creates some of that lack of movement. Uh I, I I think the bumper player being stagnant, I completely agree with you. And, and that and was that's if you play like a bumper spot that rotates in and out a little bit more, sure. Uh, what, I, what I would like to see the abs do with with what you're talking about is have those two guys, your net front guy and your bumper guy. Have that net front guy, when he slides out to either corner, have your bumper guy slide slide down. down. Take that net front and And create some movement in the slot. I'm a big fan of that bumper spot because I think that is one of the harder positions on the ice to cover when you're shorthanded. When performed correctly. Correct, correct. And, and, And my biggest issue when the Avs power play is struggling is it does seem like they they stop moving. Yep. And I've, I even talked to Nathan McKinnon about that last year. We're all standing there and you, and you can just, you look around, they're all standing like this. They're all waiting for a shot. And it's like, yeah, got it. You're ready to shoot, move, get into a lane, get yep. open, create some open ice. Kim McCarr is maybe better at that than anybody in the league, creating his own open ice. The abs power play. I think they do it well, but when they get stale, in my opinion, it's, it's because they stop moving and you do end up with a guy in the bumper spot just standing there loaded up for a one-timer. And you're right. That is very easy to defend. I feel like I agree with the movement part of it. And I, I've seen success. Like, I've watched Lekkonen pull in tighter, especially if, like, Nachushkin's retrieving the puck behind the net. And this has given way to Tappins because Lekkonen's basically at the net front and Val Nachushkin comes in and taps it in. And so... The movement, though, from Lekkonen going down even lower is necessary. And I think, like Jesse's alluding to, if there's an anticipation from your bumper to, like, see his wing coming through the slot to move out or rotate, if that's something that they could anticipate successfully so that there was, I don't want to say coverage, but a person now in that open spot, I would be in favor of it because I think the movement creates unpredictability. But so, it's necessary. So let's go back. To Newhook and what you were talking about earlier, Megan, that that one time shot that he had, not really from the slot, almost kind of like from the Ovechkin office. And what was so fun about that is he would play in the middle. And then when he'd start to see that play develop, he'd slide out. I mean, no further from me to you into that bumper spot. And just that slight change of angle for a goaltender going from the wall to five feet in makes a huge difference. And it's stuff like that that I felt like, again, the abs on the whole had a really strong power play season, but they went through a stretch where I felt like 
Why is nobody moving that that bumper spot? Nathan McKinnon does that exact play very effectively. Your your two guys in the middle of the ice need to be moving a lot more than we've seen them at times. So, a couple of things there. One, I'm glad that you brought up Lekkinen because I do think he's the best about moving through the middle. Uh, both what you already mentioned of, of understanding when to cut down low, understanding as the play is developing. He was very good for a time of cutting from net front up out high through the slot and then would cut to the back door and could create opportunities that way as he could beat guys to that back post. Uh, and then the other side of it, yeah, the five foot thing, I get. It makes sense. But I think when the Avs started to stagnate, you would get mm -hmm. this play from them where McKinnon would literally be passing at 18 inches. I, yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, you're not, everyone on the ice sees it coming. You're not really changing the angle significantly. Well, and you're allowing, you're allowing two players to be covered by one guy. You have to create at least enough space that you're, you're changing an angle. It's a quick, short little pass that, that causes movement, causes confusion, but you can't allow Nathan McKinnon, and, and just in the example I'm using, and Alex Newhook, to be covered by one stick length. Yeah. You, you can't allow that without, you know, when, especially when they're standing there. If we're talking about guys flashing through lanes and stuff like that, yeah, you're going to end up with guys in tight to each other, little drop passes, leaving a puck for someone to pick it up in motion is one thing. But yeah, when you're talking about me bumping a pass to you, yeah. it's like, okay. <laughs> me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really did. That was something that I was always disappointed that Newhook never seemed to translate on was you would see it all the time. He'd, he'd go low, he'd come up through the slot and then he'd shoot over five feet and would just let shots go yep. from, from that. If you're looking at the net, the left circle and that never translated to the NHL level. And then I did want to bring up the play that Brad is talking about here as well. At the start of the year, the give and go play from Miko very weird, like almost basketball esque, where it was like a two man game type play. Uh, where Miko would be on the wall and Val would pass to him and then beat his man towards the net and Miko would try to chip it to him. I would like to see the Avs try to do a little bit more of things like that because, as you've talked about a lot, they really will settle into, ah, we'll just set up in our umbrella and mm -hmm. everyone will stand in their spot and we'll wait for Nathan McKinnon to take yeah. a one-timer. Pick up rebounds, and tips, whatever. McKinnon's a really good shooter. He's not Alex Ovechkin. You, he's yeah. not going to beat people with that. I when will everyone say, knows I think he coming. converts on it more than you and AJ give him credit for. I, I don't have the hard number for it, but I, I think he converts on it when they create a good play. I agree with when you. it's yeah. everyone staring at him, waiting mm -hmm. for it. He doesn't convert very often. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it's it's really interesting because. People don't know how to defend Miko Rantanen on the power play. Mm -hmm. He can do everything so well. Obviously, the goal scoring. But on that Val play, what happens is Val gives it to Miko and then starts to cut down. And Miko slides up the wall just enough where the threat is he's going to make the seam pass across to McKinnon. Mm -hmm. So the defender on him is on him. And then the guy high has to slide into that to present the open lane to prevent the seam pass. And that's when Val just cuts. And it, I, I like when executed correctly, I genuinely don't know how you defend it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not, it's not anything you can count on with any kind of certainty. I love Miko's little chip play by the net. Yes, I hate I it, but, <laughs> but it's been effective. That's what I'm thinking about is his movement creates opportunity for many different areas on the power play beyond just that right circle. 
So it's about, fi- I mean, it, it's everything we're talking about here is about finding soft spots on the ice, right? Yep. Where you, you get lost in coverage, you make a play on the puck, and then you drift somewhere else. There was the, I don't know if you guys saw the clip that was going around. I rewatched it about 50 times. And it looked like a very normal looking hockey play, but it was the Hurricanes power play highlight. I don't know if you guys saw that going around, but uh, it was, a, and I can't even remember who it was, Martinook? was playing on the right side right next to the net and they moved the puck down to him and he held it looked and then just threw it basically right back to where it came from and then he just quietly drifted behind the net and put his stick down on the back door and nobody he got completely lost there was nobody within seven feet of him and he tapped one in obviously that's a that's a one-off but um that's the type of stuff that the play that you're talking about with nachushkin the little chip play by the set with miko that is the type of stuff where these are players that are moving without the puck. Yes, when you have the puck on your stick, you have to be moving. You can't be standing still. You've never been easier to defend when you're standing still. But it's players moving without the puck, and that's what I feel like the Avs have had an, a track record of lulling into at times. Watch Connor McDavid on the power play. Can anybody tell me what position Connor McDavid plays on the power play? Uh, no. No, he's a rover. He's, but, he literally, he'll be out high. He plays behind the net. And it's literally just about creating this constant movement. And then at one point, he stops. And suddenly, somehow, Connor McDavid is wide long. open. Yeah. It's all about moving without the puck. And that's what I feel like the Avs need to be a little bit more proficient at this year and stop some of the predictability. Despite them having a very good... If they run it back from last year, everyone's happy. But I think with the skill that you have, the hockey IQ you have on the ice, I, I think this power play can be better. I, I do think it can be better than it is as well. And your your idea kind of sparked a thought for me here. And it's funny because the person that I think of in my head that does this extremely well is Patrick Kane. Hmm. Patrick Kane, especially on a power play, once they get in the zone, he'll do this thing where he will circle all the way out of the zone Dude, back to the neutral zone. I, this is one of my favorite plays in hockey. And... Yeah, he can do multiple things from here. He can slowly glide in and sneak into a spot. He can go full bore and try to beat someone to a spot. I think the Avs lack a little bit of that guy who knows how to get lost yep. on the power play. And and the defense isn't able to track him very well. Nathan McKinnon's done that a couple of times in several years that I can think of. But to your point, not at the efficiency level of some of these other guys. So I, So I guess that's my question. Can the Avs find a guy like that, mate? Can can Miko start to fill that role? Can McKinnon start to fill that role? Is that something Jonathan Druin can do? I. It raises an interesting point about who else is on the power play to distract <laughs> skaters and defenders because with as much star talent on PP1, that's actually it, there's room for deception then because there are going to be people yep. who are keenly looking at Miko Rantanen because they know what he's capable of on the power play. Is there someone who isn't Miko Rantanen then, like a Druin? Honestly, that people are less expecting to be the guy that yep. is moving throughout. And I could see that being someone more understated because I think that if you're McKinnon and Rantanen on the ice at all times and Makar, you're going to be watched so closely. It might be hard to get lost in the play. I agree. Third. See, I, I think it's Miko. Miko has to be the guy that... And, and I think he... I mean, we, we listed two plays earlier where we talked about moving away from the puck. Miko Rantanen was a part of both of them. I think he's the guy because, Megan, you're you're right. As elite of a shooter as he is, a 55-goal guy, 
He's probably the third shooter on the ice, which is what's crazy. So to me, he's the guy, and he does a good job of it. He's got to be a little bit better this year about being sneaky, getting and, lost, uh, finding soft spots in the ice, because he does it pretty well. Hard. The problem is, like, at a certain point, you're asking too much of him, right? Because you are already you already have him walking no, that I, whole wall. He regularly slides in behind the net. You're looking what do you for think Patrick Kane in does? Front of the net. We're talking about elite players here. Like <laughs> you're not wrong. You, 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 what, I don't think you're asking too much from. Him. You're just saying, hey, we have plays we can run through you because we know you're gonna have a stick in Nathan McKinnon's legs and a stick in the lane between McCarr and 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 Nate, and then you're gonna have someone out high respecting the shot from Kale. That only leaves one one body left to cover three guys. Miko Ranson, I think, is the perfect candidate to be the. Patrick Kane get lost in everything. And it actually places the responsibility on the shoulders of McKinnon, McCarr, totally, whoever yeah, else is out there true. for the sleight of hand, yep. baiting skaters yep. to be drawn away from the play to allow Miko to slip behind the scenes more carefully. And that actually is where, too, it takes a little bit of pressure off Miko in that sense if it his does, teammates yeah, can enough. be deceptive. And I think that's something that Nathan McKinnon already does very well. Okay, realistically, is this a team that can have a 30% power play? Can they do what What Edmonton did they finish last? Doing? Oh, no, no. I think it was 24 and a half. No, I, I don't think Edmonton can do what Edmonton did last year. Ignore the playoffs. Is it a little bit more that, sustainable? I, I was getting like physically upset watching <laughs> them run that power play. It's like, oh my God. Game 11 of the playoffs for Edmonton. Their power play is at a 60% clip. Dude, like, what the hell? It was wild. It was wild. So, like, is is last year the expectation? Another 25%-ish season? I, I, I think the after scoring one out of every four, you're feeling good. Okay. Megan, same, same boat? Realistic? Yeah. I think that, honestly, last year was quite an accomplishment because of the first power play unit doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And I think hopefully with health in mind, they can become a bit more stable on the yep. personnel utilized yep. on PP2, that that's where I Great see this out, improving man. altogether. That's the other thing to point out. The Avs went through a bad low last year on the power play. And they also went like seven games with players of Jean-Luc Foodie's caliber. True. With all due respect to Jean-Luc no, Foodie. It's true. On that top power play unit, and for them to still have a top 10 power play at the end of the season with any kind of health luck, Megan is 100% right. With any kind of health luck relative to what you had last year, probably more like Toronto at 26. A, a little yeah. bit more consistency, 25 to 26, I absolutely think is realistic for the group they have, the defensemen they have, the, 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 new, the new additions they brought in this year. I think a 25 to 26, if you get any shred of health luck, is is totally within reach. That's a great call out, Megan. Uh, one last question: How would you divvy up the power play minutes at, between Unit One and Two? Is it seventy five twenty five, or would you give PP two a little bit more or less? Um, in a perfect world, I'm going seventy five, uh, seventy five seconds, forty five seconds. So that'd be like six, minute fifteen and two thirds and a third, mm -hmm. basically. Okay. All right, Megan. Because it is some new players together for the first time on that second unit, I still think it needs to be heavily proportionate, like 
favoring power power play <sighs> one. Well, and your and your first power play unit is just it, it, That's it's a great yeah, point. You say I'm not taking McKinnon, Rant, and McCarr off the ice right. unless I have to. I, right? I, I mean, like, like again, the, Edmonton. How many of those did power play two get in the playoffs? <laughs> My guess is one at most. Yeah, it's it was not a lot. Uh, okay. I'm I'm good. I think we covered the power play pretty well. Anything else you two want to add? I am good. All right. We're going to get out of here for the day then. A, a quick one. Uh, we are out here as DNVR, just so you guys know. Uh, you can sign up for the Die Hard. You get exclusive content on the website. You also get a, uh, a free shirt with your Die Hard subscription. So highly recommend you check out shirts like this one. This is a Sam Gerard shirt. So some of you probably want to burn it. But, no, uh, we kicked him off our power play. <laughs> Plenty of other. I didn't. I would like to point that out. I did not. <laughs> you were you were down for the 3D. Uh, yeah, tons of other great perks. By the way, August 18th. If you're local, mark your calendars. We're going to be doing a live show down at the bar. You can come say hi. It's a meet and greet. Come say hello. We'll hang out uh, after the show. It'll be a fun time. So show up for that. Come have a good time with us. Come enjoy a pod live if you're local. Uh, yeah, we appreciate all of y'all and we will see you. Well, I guess I won't, but these two <laughs> will see you tomorrow.